the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode contains distressing themes profanity and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Advancements in technology and home security have allowed people to feel safer than ever in their homes. CCTV systems are more accessible and mobile phone apps can be used to receive alerts within seconds regarding movement outside a property. Generally, these notifications are triggered by a delivery driver or a welcomed guest, but sometimes that visitor has bad intentions. Home security systems can assist users to raise the alarm. However, in October 2021, a furious father to a young child took matters into his own hands. A jury would have to decide if the accused never intended to take a life, or was enacting revenge on someone they felt deserved the ultimate punishment. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 14 of They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Aylwood is a small town in Merseyside, less than 10 miles from the city of Liverpool. Primarily a quiet residential area with a relatively low crime rate, the town has a rich history and a suburban atmosphere home to several historic buildings, social clubs and pubs. Aylwood is a significant presence in the automotive industry, and many locals are employed at the Jaguar Land Rover factory. Like many places in the UK, the town has expanded significantly since the early 2000s. However, most of the people who live there have been there for generations. Rachel Blaney was one of those people. She had lived on Beechwood Avenue in Halewood for her entire life. It seemed like any other day on the evening of Friday, October 29th, 2021. Children were playing on the quiet residential road as streetlights buzzed to life and neighbours were coming home after a long week at work. 
Early Halloween decorations had made their yearly appearance, hanging in some doorways and porches. Against the familiar sounds of the area, children's screams drew Rachel out of her bedroom and on to her driveway. There had been an accident in the street. She could see a car had crashed into a wall. Some rapid movement caught her attention. A man was repeatedly punching someone pinned against a car. Other neighbours had also rushed out into the street. Jennifer Burns had been cooking in her kitchen when one of her children ran inside to tell her that two men were fighting. Residents were shouting at one of the men to stop, and when he stood up and walked away, Jennifer ran towards the other man who was lying on the floor next to a Fiat 500. She later said, At that point he was on the floor, and there was just blood. He was covered in blood. I just leant down to try and help him. He was just covered in blood. I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. You could see it. You could see it in his eyes. It was like a horror film. Jennifer called out to her children to get something to stop the bleeding, and in a panic they returned with a small towel. She urged them to go inside to get something bigger. In the meantime, Jennifer desperately began applying pressure with the towel to try and stop the bleeding. Eye contact was made. The injured man asked her, Am I dying? Jennifer tried to assure him that help was on the way, but he could not stay awake and soon lost consciousness. Rachel Blaney had rushed inside to call 999. When the operator answered, she told them she believed someone had been stabbed in the face and they may need armed police at the scene. It was about 6.40pm when the first call to emergency services about the incident was made. First responders rushed to Beechwood Avenue and began administering emergency treatment to a man covered in blood. The second man was treated for minor injuries. After unsuccessful resuscitation attempts at the scene, the unconscious man, later identified as 31-year-old Jordan Brophy, was rushed to the hospital. He had suffered catastrophic blood loss. Sadly, just over an hour after he arrived, Jordan was pronounced dead. As the scene was cordoned off and investigators began to collect statements from witnesses, another 999 call in relation to the incident came in at 7.24pm. The caller was 31-year-old Carl Townsend, who lived on Beechwood Avenue with his partner Amelia Rigby and their three-year-old son. Townsend told the operator he had been attacked by three men that evening. He claimed they had told him to fuck off and threatened to stab him. Subsequently, Townsend and one assailant armed with a blade ended up in a physical altercation. Carl Townsend was at his mother's home on Penman Crescent when he made the call. Squad cars were dispatched to the address where both Townsend and his half-brother, 22-year-old Jamie Cunningham, were arrested. During his interview, Townsend's counsel read a prepared statement. I became aware of a burglary in progress at my partner's address. Fearing for her safety and that of my son, I went to the address. I opened the door and was met by the burglars who were carrying weapons. An altercation took place between us. Any action taken by me was only ever in defence of myself, my family and the property. Jamie Cunningham had also prepared a statement that read in part... 
As we parked up, we saw movement in the first floor window. We were unsure as to whether or not Carl's partner and three-year-old son were in the house. The whole incident happened very quickly. Carl opened the front door and went inside the house. I remained in the porch. I saw three persons, all wearing face masks and holding knives. According to Cunningham, his half-brother and one of the men had an altercation before they ran away. He also claimed that they did not use a weapon. During Jordan Brophy's post-mortem, the pathologist found multiple stab wounds to his face, head, arms and neck. Jordan had been stabbed in the head with such force that the blade had pierced his skull and severed his optic nerve before it broke inside his brain. He also sustained three stab wounds to the neck, one perforating his jugular vein causing him to bleed out quickly. Despite Townsend's claims of self-defence, the authorities believed that Jordan Brophy's injuries suggested that it was a sustained and violent attack. As investigators compiled evidence and began to piece together the events, Townsend and his half-brother Jamie Cunningham were charged with murder and possession of a bladed article. Carl Townsend and Jamie Cunningham were brought to trial at Liverpool Crown Court on April 25, 2022. The court heard that Townsend had been living on Beechwood Avenue with his partner Amelia Rigby and their young child. On the evening of October 29, 2021, Amelia and her son left the house to take their dog for a walk and at 6.26pm Townsend left driving off in his Mercedes GLA. He went to his mother's home on nearby Penman Crescent to collect his half-brother Jamie Cunningham, as they had plans to go out for a meal that evening. Less than five minutes later, CCTV footage captured a convoy of three cars driving on to Beechwood Avenue. Four men were inside one of the vehicles that stopped close to Townsend's home. Three men got out of the car as a fourth waited behind. Jordan Brophy was identified when he climbed over a fence. It was believed he confirmed the house was empty before smashing the side door window and entering the property. Jordan's accomplices had neither been tracked down nor identified. Prosecutor Richard Pratt QC explained that movement was detected by security system Townsend had installed. A notification was received via the Ring camera app on Townsend's mobile phone, alerting him to a break-in at his home on Beechwood Avenue. Townsend and his half-brother armed themselves with knives. As they sped towards the property, Townsend called his partner Amelia, who was almost home. The call lasted 19 seconds. Afterward, in the company of her young son and dog, Amelia turned in the opposite direction, walking away from the house. Less than a minute later, Townsend and Cunningham entered the property. There were no cameras inside but footage from outside picked up audio from the confrontation. Townsend could be heard shouting at the intruders, ordering them to get out of his home. Richard Pratt QC told the jury. 25 seconds after the two defendants entered the property, the burglars were seen to emerge from the back door, and Jordan Brophy was complaining that he could not see and he had some sort of injury to his face in the region of his eye. There was a reason he could not see. Carl Townsend had stabbed him twice to the face and head. The stabbing actions were so severe that they smashed their way through bone and cartilage, 
and in one case severed the optic nerve and entered the brain. Such was the thrusting action that the knife broke not once but twice, leaving broken parts of the blade embedded in the skull and brain of Jordan Brophy. Now I want to make it clear, ladies and gentlemen, that burglary is, of course, a despicable crime and can cause misery to those who come back to find their homes have been violated. It must be even worse to find the perpetrator still in the house. But that cannot begin to justify this level of severe violence. But what is worse is that even after he had stabbed Jordan Brophy with such force as to leave him with only the remnants of a broken knife in his hand... Carl Townsend had not finished. The court heard that Townsend had returned to his car and drove off. He made a phone call to a friend before heading back to the scene, where he crashed into a wall outside another property. It was suggested the collision was a failed attempt to run over Jordan Brophy. Footage from that period contained audio where the prosecution contended that a man could be heard shouting, Shithead. The prosecutor explained that the defence would claim that the words shoot him were uttered, and Townsend would argue that he had crashed the car when he believed he was about to be shot. Jordan Brophy had been hiding behind a garden wall at the time, unable to see due to his injuries. When he tried to run towards his associate's car, he was confronted by Townsend again, who still had the broken knife in his hand. Townsend's voice was captured, shouting, Look, tell me, lad, or I will kill you. Neighbours had witnessed him punch Jordan Brophy, who was being held against a car. They had also heard someone say Carl Townsend's name. The prosecutor argued that testimony from one of the witnesses would prove that Townsend was not afraid or defending himself from an attack. Richard Pratt QC said, If her account is correct, there can be no serious question of self-defence. He was not simply being punched, he was being stabbed repeatedly. He was unarmed and defenceless. He was also gravely wounded. He posed, we say, no serious danger to anyone, let alone to a man with a knife in his hand, even if the knife had already been broken. It was argued Carl Townsend had stabbed Jordan Brophy three more times. One of the wounds was 4.5 centimetres deep, and the knife had pierced Jordan's jugular vein, leading to catastrophic blood loss. Pratt told jurors. According to the pathologist who carried out the post-mortem examination, Jordan Brophy would have died in time from the brain injuries inflicted inside the house, but the one to the jugular vein killed him almost instantaneously. A prosecutor also highlighted that while Townsend was the one who inflicted the fatal injuries... The defendant's half-brother Jamie Cunningham bore responsibility too, as he had chosen to arm himself with a knife and go to the scene with Townsend. Pratt argued Cunningham had intentionally assisted and encouraged his half-brother. The prosecutor said that Townsend had later claimed he had feared for his partner and child's life at the time, but the evidence would show that he knew his family was not home. Richard Pratt QC told the court, The prosecution case is that this was not a case of a householder in a state of fear and panic, reacting in a moment of terror to what he believed to be a real danger. This was a brutal and ruthless killing, whether it be out of revenge or punishment, of a defenceless man. Townsend had called his partner Amelia before arriving at the house, leading investigators and prosecutors to believe she had been told to stay away. The prosecutor explained, Carl Townsend, as you will hear, was to pretend, and indeed may in the course of this trial still pretend, the prosecution would say, 
that he believed his partner and child were in the house and in danger. You may think it is blindingly obvious that by the end of that phone call, he knew she was not at home, and more than that, she knew not to go home. Richard Pratt QC was also quick to point out that Townsend had driven away from the scene and spent two minutes on the phone with a friend. This occurred within a minute of him inflicting severe injuries on Jordan Brophy, and as the prosecutor said, at a time when he would claim to be consumed with concern for the well-being of his partner and child. Another of Townsend's brothers called 999 at 6.41pm to report that Townsend's home had been broken into, and he was on his way there. He was still on the phone when he arrived at the scene, and a conversation between Cunningham and Townsend's partner Amelia was recorded as one of Townsend's brothers was speaking with the emergency operator. Cunningham could be heard saying, When we came out of the house, there were three running at us, but we had to run to get back in the car, and as we reversed back to pick Amelia up, we saw him bleeding from his face, so we knew it was him who was in the house so we ran over him and ran him through with the car. Amelia said in response, They must have knew I was out. Imagine if I was in there. The prosecutor explained to jurors they should note that the defendants did not say they thought she was inside. Richard Pratt QC remarked, In that perhaps unguarded moment, Jamie Cunningham reveals that he was very much a part of what had happened to Jordan Brophy. Carl Townsend had left the scene and drove to Pendleton Green, where his car's broken license plate was found in a bush. The prosecutor told jurors to ask themselves, why would this shocked man, who has done no more than to defend himself, feel the need to dispose of a broken registration plate. Townsend had been collected by his father and taken back to his mother's home, where he called 999 at 7.24pm. Richard Pratt told the court, The reality was he had repeatedly stabbed Jordan Brophy and brought about his death. Testimony regarding statements Carl Townsend and Jamie Cunningham provided after their arrests was heard, along with witness testimony from the neighbours at the scene. Officer John Smedley from the Merseyside Police told the court about collating all of the footage in the investigation, captured at Townsend's property as well as his neighbours. Footage from Townsend's ring camera recorded Jordan Brophy and two unidentified intruders climbing over the side fence at 6.33pm. Moments later, another camera captured Townsend and Cunningham arriving at the front of the property and going inside. Pathologist Dr. Alison Amore, who performed the post-mortem on Jordan Brophy's body, concluded Jordan had been stabbed in the corner of his left eye, and it was believed this injury occurred while he was inside the house. This was supported by the CCTV footage of Jordan shouting that he could not see after leaving the property. Jordan had been stabbed several times while inside, as a wound had been noted above his right eyebrow with damage to his nasal bone and the base of his skull. This blow left another piece of the blade lodged in Jordan's brain. Dr. Amore explained that in the 30 years she had been a pathologist, she had never found fragments of a blade inside an injury. However, during Jordan's post-mortem she had recovered two separate pieces. The force required to not only sever the optic nerve but to break the blade would have to be substantial and would have resulted in blindness from the affected eye. According to the pathologist, the victim would have sustained cognitive damage from the brain injury, 
but it would not have affected his mobility. This explained how Jordan Brophy was able to climb back over a side fence and take cover by a garden wall as his associates tried to get him into their car. Dr. Amore described how three stab wounds had been inflicted as Jordan was out on the street. One injury left just a quarter of his jugular vein intact, causing catastrophic hemorrhaging. When asked about how quickly that injury would cause death, Dr. Amore replied, For a wound of this degree to the jugular, it is very rapid. A minute, perhaps two, if you are being resuscitated, it is very rapid. The pathologist, who was the final prosecution witness to be called, told the court that the head wounds Jordan had sustained inside the house would have been fatal eventually, but the stab wounds to his neck were immediately fatal. On May 4th, 2022, Carl Townsend took the stand as the defence began their case. Townsend told the court that he left the home he shared with his partner and child to collect his half-brother and co-defendant. They intended to go out for a meal before being alerted to a break-in. Townsend claimed that he told Jamie Cunningham what he had seen on the footage, and they quickly got into the car and sped back to the property. Townsend admitted to calling his partner while on the journey. Anesta Weeks QC counsel for Carl Townsend was told by her client that when he opened the front door, he saw an intruder running down the stairs towards him. The man was holding a knife in one hand and what Townsend believed to be a gun in the other. As the intruder ran down the stairs, they attempted to slash him with the knife. Townsend was asked what was going through his mind at that point, and he replied, I thought I was going to be killed. I thought I was going to die. There was a burglar in my house with a knife. Townsend claimed that as the man reached the bottom of the stairs, he had stabbed the intruder twice. He could not remember where he had inflicted the blows, but it was towards the man's head. Townsend told the court that he noticed another intruder coming down the stairs towards him with what appeared to be a handgun. Townsend said, I thought he was going to shoot me and that I was going to die. Continuing his account, the defendant explained that he ran out of the house, got into his car with Cunningham and sped towards the main road in a state of panic and fear. According to Townsend, he turned around to try and find Amelia and their son but slowed down when he saw another car outside his home. Townsend claimed that he heard someone in the other car shout, shoot him, which made him cower in the driver's seat and sent his car crashing into a neighbour's garden wall. The court heard that Townsend was taken by surprise when he saw the man he had stabbed on the street and a struggle ensued. It was only when both men tired of the fight that Townsend said he realised he knew the intruder. We went to primary school together when we were kids, he said. I do not know what age it was exactly, maybe nursery, but we were the same age and we were in the same year. When asked how he felt about what happened, Townsend replied that he was, quote, disappointed. The last time I had seen Jordan Brophy, he was shaking my hand for having his dad over for Christmas dinner. After that moment of recognition, according to Carl Townsend, his old school friend began denying that he had been one of the intruders and told him he was just the driver. During his second day of testimony, Carl Townsend was cross-examined. 
Richard Pratt QC inquired about Townsend's claim that he had heard someone say shoot him as he returned to the scene before he stabbed Jordan Brophy again. The prosecutor argued the word that could be heard over the telephone was Townsend's own voice saying shithead and told Townsend that his claim to have heard the word shoot him was an invention that you came up with afterwards to explain why you killed Jordan Brophy. Richard Pratt QC highlighted that the defendant left the scene and asked whether it was because he realised he had killed Jordan Brophy. According to Townsend, he had gone to his mother's home because he was worked up over the break-in and subsequent fight, unaware he had killed Jordan. He said, I just wanted to get out of there, that's all. The prosecutor contended that it was unlikely that Townsend did not realise the seriousness of the injuries he had inflicted because he would have seen that the blade of the knife he had used was broken. Townsend replied, I only found out at the police station that it was lodged in his head. Carl Townsend's counsel and Nesta Weeks QC walked the jury through several details not presented during the prosecution's case. Please note the following section refers to cruelty towards animals. Please skip ahead 30 seconds if you prefer to avoid hearing the details. Jurors were told that investigators examining Carl Townsend's home found the family cat Callie with a stab wound to her back. Callie was taken to a vet, where it was confirmed that she had sustained a 3-4 to centimetre injury near her spine. The barrister said, The vet's opinion was that it was caused by a deliberate action that would have taken some moderate force. There was no evidence of who had injured the cat, However, Callie did make a full recovery. Anesta Weeks QC then recounted Jordan Brophy's criminal history. In March 2016, Jordan had been arrested after threatening a man with a knife and demanding £300 from the victim. He did the same thing five years later in June 2021 outside of a GP surgery. The defence argued that Carl Townsend was acting in self-defence and out of fear for his family and his own life when he stabbed Jordan Brophy. Once the evidence was presented and the prosecution and defence finalised their closing arguments, it was up to the jury to decide the guilt of Carl Townsend and Jamie Cunningham. On May 13, 2022, the jury returned after almost nine hours. Jamie Cunningham was found not guilty of murder. However, the jury could not decide whether he was guilty of possession of a bladed article. Further deliberations followed. When they returned, jurors could also not reach a verdict on the murder charge against Carl Townsend, although he was found guilty of possessing a bladed article. As this verdict was announced, Townsend was furious and began shouting abuse at the jury. He was found to be in contempt of court and sentenced to seven days in prison. The jury were dismissed, and the prosecution filed an intent to pursue a retrial of the defendants. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. The retrial began just over two months later on July 15th, 2022. What would have been Jordan Brophy's 32nd birthday. Once again, Townsend and Cunningham were seated in the dock. Townsend denied the murder charge, and Cunningham denied possessing a bladed article. Prosecutor Peter Glenser QC took the jury through the prosecution's version of events. At 6.31pm, Jordan Brophy and his unidentified associates arrived on Beechwood Avenue in a Mercedes A-Class. Jordan and two others broke in through a side door as their getaway driver waited in the car. Within minutes, Townsend and Cunningham arrived armed with knives. According to the prosecution, Townsend knew his partner was not at the property because he had phoned Amelia on the way home and she had walked in the opposite direction after the call. The prosecutor told the court... When these defendants speed round to Beechwood Avenue, it is not to protect Amelia Rigby or the child because he knows they are not there. They have another purpose which becomes crystal clear as the events unfold. Peter Glenser QC said that inside the house, Jordan Brophy sustained multiple stab wounds that would have been fatal and caused blindness and cognitive impairment. Townsend and Cunningham left the scene momentarily, but Jordan got separated from his associates and was alone when Townsend returned. The prosecution argued that Townsend had swerved his car in an attempt to run over Jordan Brophy, a theory supported by the words Cunningham was recorded saying, quote, We saw him running, bleeding from his face, so we knew it was him who was in the house. 
we ran him over and ran him through with the car. The prosecutor described how Jordan was pinned against a Fiat 500 before he was stabbed in the neck three times, injuries that caused catastrophic blood loss. Peter Glenser QC told the jury the Townsend had claimed nothing had been stolen during the break-in, but his partner Amelia had been heard saying that everything was gone. The prosecutor referenced CCTV footage showing one of the intruders leaving with a white bag, believed to have contained a significant amount of drugs. Glenser stated... The Crown says that this is not self-defence or anything like it. Jordan Brophy was subjected to extremes of violence which had nothing whatsoever to do with self-defence. By the time the fatal blow was struck, literally straight to the jugular, he was vulnerable, seriously wounded, blind in one eye, had two shards of broken knife blade embedded in his brain and was no threat to anybody. The burglary was over. No one was in any danger. The prosecution case is that this was not a case of a householder in a state of fear and panic reacting in a moment of terror to what he believed to be a real danger. This was a brutal and ruthless killing, whether it be out of revenge or punishment, on a defenceless man. The prosecutor also revealed Carl Townsend had stabbed another man, Thomas Barnes, who he mistakenly believed to have been one of the intruders. Barnes had arrived at the scene with Townsend's mother, and he had been stabbed before Townsend inflicted the fatal wounds to Jordan Brophy's neck. Peter Glenser QC told the court... You may think that the truth of the matter is that the proverbial red mist had descended and that he was acting in an indiscriminate frenzy. The prosecutor argued that Townsend was lying through his teeth when he called 999 and when he made a statement to the police. Witnesses again testified about what they saw at the scene. Rachel Blaney explained that she heard a loud noise that drew her outside. It sounded like a car crash. There was a bang. It was completely out of character for the street. It's not something that has ever happened before. It must have all been in the space of minutes. Not even minutes. The witness had seen Townsend fight with Thomas Barnes outside her house and even heard Barnes ask, Carl, why did you stab me? Rachel Blaney claimed that Carl Townsend replied his house was being robbed. She then described how Townsend turned his attention to Jordan Brophy, who was across the street. Rachel Blaney said, He had him against the car. I don't know whether he was stabbing him or beating the hell out of him. He was really angry. He just kept punching him. I just remember we were shouting for him to stop. The witness then described how Townsend had walked away towards his home. At this point, Jordan Brophy was screaming before he suddenly fell silent. after much of the same testimony presented in the first trial was reintroduced. Only a single defence barrister put forward an argument. Jamie Cunningham had changed his plea during the course of the trial, pleading guilty to possession of a bladed article, so his half-brother was now alone in the dock. Townsend's counsel Ernesta Weeks QC argued Jordan Brophy had been the aggressor at the beginning of the confrontation. She said, He was being slashed at by the knife Mr. Brophy clearly did have when coming down the stairs. He's got a burglar in front of him in his house with a knife. You're an arm's length away from a man with a knife. We say it was the deceased who was the aggressor. He was lashed at by a burglar who shouldn't have been there. 
None of us knows how we would deal with that. You would instinctively do what you think is right. Of course, they were appalling injuries. He didn't plan or intend to kill any burglars. If you decide he did nothing more than instinctively react to save his life, then that is not an intention to kill or cause really serious injury. It's a terrible position to be in when you are confronted with weapons. It must have been a nightmare for Mr. Townsend. And Esther Weeks QC insisted that her client had not tried to run over Jordan Brophy, but instead had swerved because Townsend believed he was going to be shot. Weeks argued that Townsend had only stabbed Jordan inside the property and had just punched him on the street when Jordan ran at him, which Townsend saw as a threat. She told the jury, You can probably understand the state Mr. Townsend was in. He was running straight at him. He has no idea how serious those injuries are. Is it reasonable for him to have defended himself? Members of the jury... The answer must be yes. As the trial came to a close, the jury heard how Carl Townsend had been dealing drugs between 2019 and 2021, but told the police he had stopped selling them over a month before the alleged murder. He admitted that there could have been some cannabis for personal use in his home at the time. The prosecution argued that the break-in was a targeted burglary, and the intruders were going there intending to take any drugs or cash Townsend had in the property. It was the Crown's case that Townsend had not gone to the house with a knife to protect his family but to protect a stash of drugs and enact revenge on whoever was trying to take it. On August 4th, 2022, the jury of six men and six women returned after ten hours of deliberations. Carl Townsend was found not guilty of murder but guilty of manslaughter by a majority verdict of 10 to 2. Jurors did not believe that Townsend intended to kill or seriously injure Jordan Brophy when he ended Jordan's life. Townsend and Cunningham were brought back to court the following day to be sentenced. The victim personal statement from Jordan Brophy's mother, Lisa Ward, was read to the court. In a written statement, she described how the loss of her son affected her. I am broken. No one has the right to take anybody's life regardless of where, what or when. That is exactly what Townsend did to my boy. Jordan was the prettiest of little boys. At only eight weeks old, I nearly lost him to meningitis. He was seriously ill. He fought hard only to have his life cruelly taken away from him. Lisa Ward said that her son was the class clown during his time at Halewood Comprehensive. Jordan's mother explained that during his last few years at school, she requested that he be assessed for ADHD. The assessment concluded that he was on the spectrum, but Jordan was never able to access support. After leaving school, he found work as a bricklayer for a time before starting work at the Jaguar Land Rover production facility in Halewood, where many locals, including his mother, had been employed. Lisa claimed that when her son left that job, it was a turning point in his life. She wrote, He began to suffer badly with his mental health. He went down the wrong path in life. But being his mum, I always stood by my jord. We were beyond close. He adored me. Apparently there was no one like his mum, like he used to tell people 
I loved and adored him. He was never perfect and innocent, but never did anyone have the right to take him from me. I loved and nurtured him for 31 short years. He was a lad that always needed mum's wise words, even though he rarely took notice of them. Lisa Ward admitted that her son was not entirely innocent. However, he did not deserve to die the way he did, and his death on his younger sister's birthday had a rippling effect on the entire family. These two cruelly took him from me. It will never be a happy birthday for little Daisy. All I have are the memories and photographs. He had his life ahead of him, He never had the chance to get married or become a dad. We have been torn apart. How on earth do you explain to an eight and three-year-old that Uncle George has been stabbed to death? How do you ever put into words the loss of a child? It is never in God's plan for a mother to lose her child. Never will I ever live like I did. Some days I barely exist. Simple things like brushing my teeth are impossible. Some days I wonder if it's worth carrying on. I hope and pray every night that I get justice for him. Justice that he deserves. The prosecutor told the court that any of the fatal blows inflicted by Townsend could have been fatal. That said... The jury had concluded that the defendant had not intended to cause really serious harm to Jordan Brophy. In mitigation, Townsend's barrister Anesta Weeks QC argued that the killing had stemmed from an unlawful trespass in which at least one of the culprits was carrying a weapon. This is the problem when burglars burgle other people's houses, she said. We maintain he was put into a situation where he had to think not in the best way. In a panic situation, he defended himself in the way he did, and we say the jury took self-defence into account. When addressing why Townsend had no defensive injuries that would suggest he had been attacked, his barrister argued that Carl Townsend had been better at defending himself. Townsend's father, Sean, then addressed the court on his son's behalf. Sean referenced Townsend's criminal past, but said that since then he had worked hard until he was made redundant. Describing how his son was a good provider and a good father, Sean Townsend remarked, I believe that the true measure of a person is how they respond and learn from adversity. I have full confidence this whole tragedy will be an unforgettable lesson learned. He has had time to reflect on circumstances. Voicing the regret his son felt, Sean Townsend went on to say, He's not normally one to show his emotions, but this recent experience has brought them to the fore, shedding tears when he told me there are no winners. And if he could turn back the clock, he would. Everyone in this room would. Honorary Recorder of Liverpool, Judge Andrew Menery QC, who had presided over the legal proceedings, then addressed Carl Townsend to pass sentence. Despite the verdict, Judge Menery neither believed that the intruders were armed nor that Townsend acted in reasonable self-defence, when he said, As soon as you saw these men on the camera, you knew exactly what they were after. What resulted was the sort of violent encounter which so often accompanies this type of activity. You were provoked by Jordan Brophy's audacious actions, but your response was not justified. I also find as fact that Jordan Brophy was not armed with any weapon while in the house, and in particular was not armed with a knife. He did not expect a confrontation that night. 
Equally, I find that none of the burglars had a gun. That is an embellishment invented by you. I have no doubt you were playing the leading role and had encouraged Jamie Cunningham to be armed to support you. Thomas Barnes came with your mother and he had a knife. Another of your brothers also attended with a metal bar. You must have had some discussion that this would be your response. Judge Menery said that within seconds of entering the house, Townsend had stabbed Jordan Brophy multiple times in the face, head and arms. Speaking to the defendant, the judge stated, Twice the knife broke off in his skull, leaving parts of the blade embedded in his brain and blinding him in one eye. He tried to flee the scene but was caught again by you in the street where you use the remains of the blade to stab him repeatedly to the neck. One of these injuries severed his jugular vein. The notion that you were at any stage acting in reasonable self-defence is frankly absurd. Judge Menery told the court that Jordan Brophy was no angel, but he did not deserve to die as he had and he was a loved and cherished son, brother, partner and uncle. The judge described the killing as an especially bad case of manslaughter. So where are we now? Jamie Cunningham had pleaded guilty to possessing a bladed article during the second trial. Judge Menery acknowledged that Cunningham had spent time in custody on remand, and this would be factored into his sentence. You're young, the judge said. I've no doubt that you were led into this by your older brother. Jamie Cunningham would not face any further prison time. He was given a two-year community order and required to attend a 10-day rehabilitation course. There were cheers from the public gallery when Carl Townsend was sentenced to 19 years for manslaughter and two years for possession of a bladed article. The terms would be served concurrently. Townsend just shrugged in response before being taken to the cells to start his sentence. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. To hear ad-free versions of our episodes published several days before their general release, subscribe to They Walk Among Us Plus. Head to patreon.com forward slash They Walk Among Us or search for They Walk Among Us on Apple Podcasts to learn more. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, they walk among us podcast.com The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.
Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.